Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Um, yeah, we're back for a, for a Monday evening show reviewing match day uh, 24 of the Bundesliga. Uh, just myself and Mark um, obviously tuning in on a Monday evening. Hope everyone is doing well. Um, obviously very kind of strange circumstances that you were broadcasting to uh, everything that's going on in Ukraine, uh, but it's just nice to have a bit of a uh, bit of time to talk football uh, as a nice distraction from from what is going on in in the real world. As ultimately, football is not anything kind of near what is uh, going on right now. But anyway, without being too down in the dumps, so we'll talk a bit of football. Uh, before we do, uh, of course, we are indeed in partnership with the brilliant Bundesliga boxes. Uh, their latest batch, Batch 18, I think it is, has just gone live. So make sure you go over to the website and Twitter to go check them out. See what sizes are still available. They'll be selling like hotcakes. So make sure you get yourself a Bundesliga box to treat yourself uh, or treat a member of your family. Uh, of course, they're brilliant, mystery, authentic German football T-shirts. So go see what you can find. Uh, my collection is ever-growing. So, yeah, make sure you check their mouths and of course please do like comment and subscribe to the show uh you know if you've got nothing uh better to do on a monday evening hopefully you can join us have a bit of a chat with us send in any questions you want doesn't even have to be bundesliga related it can be german football whatever you know just have a you know bit of interaction with us if you want to do that on your monday evening um so we'll go over to you mark and we'll take scores on the doors and then we'll crack on with the rest of the show yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, as you can see on the bottom of your screens, we have the scores on the doors. Yeah, so Friday night started off, didn't it? I mean, Stuttgart took the lead in this game and they were leading very, very late on as well before shipping two late goals to Baumgartner and obviously going down to a 2-1 defeat. Agonising 2-1 defeat too, really, because of even a point there would have been decent, I guess. Moving on to Saturday's games, Leverkusen with an easy 3-0 win over Bielefeld. Union, after three back-to-back -back defeats, came back with a very, very good, solid 3-1 home win over Mainz. Yeah, Gladbach and Wolfsburg playing out a really, really entertaining 2-all draw on Saturday afternoon too. Freiburg, yeah, I think I think I predicted a two or a three nil win here. I couldn't see anything other than a comfortable home win, and that's exactly what it was for Hertha, who are just self-destructing really since Christmas, haven't they? It's been so poor from them. Furt with another home game unbeaten. I think that's six incredibly six home games in a row unbeaten for them now, getting a one-all draw against Köln. Now, I remember seeing a lot of Köln fans in Nuremberg as well on Saturday night. It's actually, a big massive group of them because obviously. Um, Nuremberg is right next to Furt as well. So, yeah, I had a conversation with a couple of them too. And, uh, yeah, uh, Bayern, I think a lot of people predicted goals in this one, but it was only 1-0 to Bayern. But it's still a big win, really, after their slightly poor run of form, really, recently. Good 1-0 win away and, well, faltering Frankfurt, really, isn't it? Then, yeah, another very, very important win for RB Leipzig away in Bochum. You know, not many teams go to Bochum and win, do they? And this was a good win for Leipzig, who have struggled on the road for long periods of the season, but they got a win here. And then, yeah, 
Is that the end of the title race? Augsburg won, Dortmund won. Typical Dortmund, wasn't it, really? I think on the prediction show, a few of us said that Dortmund might struggle to win this game. You know, I thought they would win it, but it's just been a terrible week for them, hasn't it? Obviously, bowing out of the Europa League to Rangers on Thursday night, and then this awful draw, really, against an Augsburg side who they just cannot seem to win away in Augsburg. I think that's only one in four wins they've had there away now, which is a poor record, really, so all saying. But yeah, that completes the the week of action. So yeah, so let's um, let's move on to the um, OTB's featured four this week. So obviously we select the best four games of the weekend, and there was again no shortage of quality matches in this round. So yeah, let's start with game four, which was indeed Leverkusen three, Bielefeld nil. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously the big news was that uh, Patrick Schick was back in, in the team as well in this game. So that, that was quite an important uh, point. And then, yeah, I mean, the first goal, I just want to kind of dwell on the first goal in this game because I, that was the controversial moment, really, wasn't it? I thought it was a, a complete joke of a decision, personally. But, I mean, I, I'm not sure that you can really blame the referee for this, in all honesty, because the rules nowadays are if you have that accidental handball and a player scores, then you can get away with the goal as well. But, I mean, for me, this was just um, really poor. It's Obviously, the, the ball kind of ricocheting around in the area, um, the, the player hits it against his own hand, and you know, for me, that that has to be a foul. Really, it has to be given a rally or who obviously um, put Alario, sorry, who puts the ball into the back of the net. He doesn't celebrate. He clearly thinks it's disallowed. He sees it. I think it was Paulinho, right? Yeah, it was. It hit his hand, and it, he clearly thinks it was a, a foul. But um, no, it wasn't given, was it? And it was uh, the goal was given just to the bewilderment of just about everyone, really. Rory, do you think this was more of a fault of the rules of the game, or do you think it was a? It, are you a fan of giving goals for this kind of thing? Uh, well, as a Man United fan, we were scorned by this um, pathetic rule in the FA Cup uh, when we got dumped out by Middlesbrough. Uh, for their equalising goal um, when the player handballed it and because he was not the direct scorer of the goal and it went to someone else, then it, it counts as the, the goal can stand. Um, whether the rules are applied exactly the same in the Bundesliga, I don't know. But yeah, that, that's my kind of thinking behind why it was allowed. Um, yeah, Paulinho obviously clearly handballs it and uh, Lario is on hand to to tap home. Um, I mean, the handball rule has now just gone so far into the, the rule books and there's so many uh, like stipulations and ways that you can manipulate it that no one really knows anymore. Um, for me, it's led to a chance which wouldn't have been without that control of the hand, so it shouldn't have been a goal. Yeah, just want to make a correction as well. Sorry, it wasn't Schick that came into the team. It was Alario that I meant. Yeah, Schick was out of the team. Sorry, obviously after getting injured in uh, in Mainz last week. Yeah. Um, okay, but yeah, I mean, obviously Leverkusen pretty dominant. Really. I think uh, Bielefeld only had a couple of chances in the first half. I think mm. Vasilidis had a really good effort, actually, kind of dipping volley, which was relatively comfortably saved by Hadatsky. But yeah, obviously going in uh, half time at 1-0 for Leverkusen. Rory, do you think... Uh, uh, Leverkusen were better in the second half, or do you think it was just a poor showing from Bielefeld? Really, uh, I think I think Leverkusen were uh, fairly in control. Uh, it's probably one thing that 
did really please Gerardo Seoni, uh, was the fact that they were able to keep a clean sheet, which they've not been doing very much recently. Um, he gave, um, he kind of pretty much chopped and changed the entire back four, actually, uh, as the game went on. Really nice to see Timothy Fossu Mensa back in the team, uh, obviously a former Man United boy. Uh, he's got a lot of work to get ahead of Jeremy Fringpong, of course, because he's playing amazing football from right back. Um, so, that you know, that was interesting to see. But they kept a clean sheet, which they'll be pleased with. Moussa Diaby, he's got to be up there with one of the players of the season, really. Amazing form he's shown this season. Um, obviously, his two goals in the second half were, you know, sealing the deal. First one, nice work between himself and Florian Wirtz. Um, going through a couple of weak challenges and um, quite on like defending, I thought, in, for quite a few of the, um, not a few of the goals, but just on a few uh, occasions. Um, and then, yeah, he sealed the deal late on, didn't he? After, again, poor clearance from, I think it was Ramos, four-headed clearance, fell to the RB and inside the box. Takes it um, at a narrow angle and smashes it home uh, for 3-0. And, yeah, thoroughly deserved win. Uh, Leverkusen, good for them to bounce back. Uh, I think without Schick, it was very important to get off to a good start in terms of them having a bit more of a feel-good factor. Alario is a more than capable replacement. Um, and they're still, of course, without their new signing, uh, Asmoon, who I think could be a really exciting addition to their team. But I thought Paulinho played that role quite well, maybe because he knows there's competition coming into the team. Um, but I thought he was quite good. So, yeah, all positive for Leverkusen. But it's one of those where you just have to react week on week with Leverkusen because they are, as many teams, quite hit and miss. Uh, Bielefeld, of course, would be disappointed, but... You know, they've got bigger, bigger games to concentrate on as the season goes on. Going away to Leverkusen, you're not going to expect to necessarily always take three points or even a point. So, yeah, it was a good game of football, but Leverkusen thoroughly deserved it. Yeah, obviously a very, very rare clean sheet as well for Leverkusen. We have to give them a bit of credit for that because they don't keep many of them, that's for certain, you know. I, I think, obviously, a bit of praise has to go to the tar taps over. Uh, centre-half partnership. Obviously, we, that was kind of much maligned last season, really, wasn't it? A lot of people said that Tapsoba didn't really do enough, despite his kind of high rating. But to be honest, it looks to have improved this season. Maybe the, the competition caused by Kasunu's signing, big money signing in summer, actually, has kind of helped him to improve his game and become a bit more focused and concentrated. But he has looked a lot better to me. Obviously, he had a quite a good run in the African Cup of Nations as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's looked half decent this season for me. He could be one to watch over the next, the rest of the season, really. And that partnership seems to be an improvement from what I've seen so far. As for Bielefeld, yeah, this certainly wasn't one of their better games. I thought they were pretty poor in this game, to be honest. They conceded some cheap goals, really. But, yeah, definitely an entertaining game. Yeah. Dude, just Paul's question as well on there. Yeah, Bielefeld is staying up despite this result. Yeah, yeah. I think we get a, at least one question about Bielefeld every single week, don't we? But yeah, for me, the answers are definite. Yes, I think this was just a bad day at the office for them against quality opponents as well. They did have a full side out. They had Vimmer back in the squad and like most of the the big hitters on, on the pitch for this game, but it just didn't really materialise. Do you agree with that, Rory? Are they staying up? Uh, well, I think obviously as we go further into the show, it may well be linked to the talking point of the week. So we'll probably get deeper into it, of course, when we talk about that. But um, without kind of massively 
giving away what we're doing later, they, they probably will have enough um, about them. It's just the goals. The goal scoring part of it is, is what worries me um, for Bielefeld out of the other sides um, down there. Um, I won't hide my disappointment <laughs> at, uh, you know what I'm going to say, Yanni Serra. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah. just, it's just not worth it. Um, sure. Yeah, so we'll chat a bit more about that later on the show, but uh, yeah. I expect them to, yeah, just about have enough. Definitely, yeah. Another question as well from Jordan Hunt as well. Do you believe Bellingham was a bit out of order with his reaction, overreaction response against Schultz against Rangers? Yeah, yeah, I did see that information as well. Yeah, I think it was like obviously he was he was annoyed because uh, Dortmund had got themselves into a position where they were two one up on the night. They only needed one more goal to take it to extra time, and then obviously. Schultz is a player, you know, well, Schultz actually is a player who's kind of, you know, he's not really overcovered himself in glory since he signed for Dortmund from Hoffenheim. And obviously, I, th I think it was because he didn't get a good pass out to Bellingham or something. He mislaid a pass and he said, basically, you know, you crap in the nicest way possible. Basically, you crap, you can't lay a single pass on right and whatever. Yeah, I would say yes, in my opinion, he was out of order, to be honest. I think, uh, but it, D Bellingham is a very, very emotional character. You've got to remember that. And we've seen a few times, I think after the Bayern game, he came out and slated the referee and he ended up getting a, a fine for that as well. He does seem to be that kind of character. He's a very passionate guy. He believes in his ability and he has shown it for the last uh, 18 months. There's no doubt about that. And yeah, I guess he was just disappointed uh, um, that Dortmund ended up losing to opposition that he probably thought they should have been able to beat. Rory, would you agree with that? Or Yeah, I think in, in the heat of battle, it's all very well demanding more from your teammates and, uh, you know, criticising them or, or, you know, demanding more from them. There's another thing to say that you're crap or you're useless. Um so, yeah, it was an overreaction and it probably was out of order. Um, I'm sure they would have had words in the dressing room and I'm sure it's all forgotten about now. Uh, I'm sure everyone who's played a bit of Saturday or Sunday afternoon football has <laughs> maybe had a bit of a remonstration with your own teammates uh, just via frustration if a game's not going your way. Um, so, as you very rightly say, Mark, he is a... Emotional character, very much like Haaland uh, in that team, who, who has always displayed his displeasure at other players' um, poor passing or any kind of poor performance. So, yeah, it, it was just frustration at the result. But, of course, they, they wanted to progress in the competition and, and give the fans a bit more to cheer about. But things obviously aren't quite going right at that club right now. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to game three of the week here, which was obviously Freiburg three, three Hertha Berlin nil. I mean, obviously, it's now only one point since Christmas in six games, isn't it, for Hertha Berlin? It's just, uh, I've seen seven games, correct me. Yeah, it's just been a complete and utter disaster. And it's not only been defeats, it's been batterings most weeks, hasn't it? I mean, obviously, shipping five against Bayern and then six against... Uh, Leipzig and now being hammered really by Freiburg. Obviously not quite as many goals for Freiburg, but still a very, very comfortable win. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, the, the game was a little bit scrappy early on, I thought, to be honest, before obviously, um, yeah, it, it wasn't the best game of football I've ever seen really. But obviously, would you agree with that, Rory? Do you think it was a fair result for Freiburg or do you think Hertha deserved a bit more out of this game? Um, I think for a spell, um, you could probably have said that this 3-0 scoreline might not have happened. Uh, 
certainly think first half, all Freiburg, Grifo could have scored from his free kick they took pretty early on. <laughs> Hertha had their fourth choice goalkeeper in as well. So things really aren't going well for them. COVID's injuries are really kind of building up for them as a club. So they're kind of, that, that's bad luck. So um, their keeper, uh, Marcel Lotzka, uh, fourth choice goalkeeper, made his debut. Um, so he would have been pleased and he kept out a, a really good free kick to start with. But then another young player, Gekter, uh, who's been in the Hertha defence for a little, well, a couple of games now, uh, fouled uh, Roland Salai in the area. So penalty, uh, which Grifo um, tucked away really well. Good penalty, despite lots who go in the right way. And that obviously was it into um, into half time. And Hertha came out in the second half and were much, much better, actually more aggressive, uh, a lot more intense. And, and they almost got an equaliser, actually, when Richter had an effort well saved by Flecken. Um, and then the, the game effectively was won or, or kind of pushed to the right end for, for Freiburg by some good substitutions by Christian Strike, but uh, brought on Schade and, uh, and Lucas Holler. Um, who does usually start a good amount of games uh, and they both were able to get a couple of late goals to make it a lot more comfortable uh, from a couple of crosses, which, again, weren't particularly well dealt with by the Hertha defence, um, particularly the Schade second goal, I thought, wasn't amazing defending. Um, so kind of kind of scrappy goals, but just goes to show um, that Freiburg have got a bench to be able to utilise now, uh, kind of Bundesliga, le- uh, Bundesliga level. Schade looks like a, a very good young prospect. Um, has done well off the bench and scored a few goals now. Um, so, yeah, thoroughly well-deserved win for Freiburg. Um, it's definitely one that was set up to be a fairly comfortable win, uh, in, in my opinion, for Freiburg. I was surprised to see that Jovic actually started um, with, up from with uh, Bill Fadil because I, th- I thought he was going to be injured or had COVID. Um, so it just goes to show that they're, you know, they're trying to push out their best team possible here to, to try and get these points and get that first win, but it's not happening. And and when we look again, when we look at the the relegation battle a little bit uh, later on in the show, their fixtures don't look kind for the next four or five games either. So it could be a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of hard work for her to coming up. Um, they look a bit lost on the pitch. Uh, again, COVID outbreaks and injuries, you know, it's all coming at the wrong time for them. And if you get on a bad run at uh, this time, the season with 10 games to go, it is the worst time to be on a bad run. So, yeah, a lot of work for them to do. Yeah, definitely. Their season reminds me a lot of Werder Bremen last season, to be honest. Yeah. You know, they were just kind of drifting along in lower mid-table, but they never really looked like going down in the first half of the season. But, Obviously, since the break, it's just been a complete catastrophe. It really has, you know. But I just want to focus on Freiburg, as you say, just about the strength as well. I mean, literally, like, every time I see Kevin Sharder, I'm just like, why doesn't this guy start every game, basically? Mm. Because he looks quality. The guy is super fast, really good at dribbling. He kind of reminds me of a younger um, Leroy Sane in some ways. Uh, Obviously, he's a lot more raw at the minute, but he's got a similar Mm. kind of game to that, you know. But, I mean, then you you look at the team lineup and you remember they've also got Roland Salai as well, you know. I mean, he's been one of their best players for years now, you know. Mm -hmm. And they've, they've just got so much quality through the front, haven't they? I mean, Grifo, we all know about him. Giongas had a really, really good season this year. I mean, I was a little bit surprised to see Peterson start ahead of Hurler, to be honest with you, because Hurler has been their 
kind of main striker for the last 18 months or so, really. But yeah, Peterson had a good game last week against Augsburg and he probably deserved his start this time. But yeah. That's the, that's the only thing they're missing. A proper goal yeah. scorer. Yeah. Uh, and then they then they can genuinely be a, a top four, consistently yeah. top four or top six uh, team, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I think they've got such a good side. The, the guys behind the number nine are absolutely quality. They've got one of the best keepers in the league, Flecken. They've got yeah. one of the best centre-halves in the league for me, Schlotterbeck. He's not even like a typical centre-half because the guy's all over the pitch, really. Mm -hmm. isn't he? Let's be honest. He's kind of like, he's great. He gets goals. He even get he's just quality, you know. And like, they, they've just got such a good side. Gunter is a really good player. I like Eggerstein. I think he was a great signing to get Werder's best player from, from yeah. them is a real coup for just 5 million euros as well. He's done really well since he came in the side. It's just great times for Freiburg, isn't it? They're in the new stadium. They've got the fans back. And, mm -hmm. you know, top four isn't completely gone for them because they're back on form again now and they look a really good side for me. Okay, so, yeah. Um, so let, let's move on to, oh, over to Rory for the, um, yeah. yeah. Yes, indeed, yeah. Uh, just to separate or split up, um the the countdown we'll just go back to our uh bundesliga glossary so just kind of going through the alphabet for for anyone who's interested in uh, who watches the show uh just going all along and, and trying to find some bundesliga terms that are used quite frequently in and around the league uh, and basically translating them for you so that you can use them uh when you're chatting about footy bundesliga stuff if you want to impress your mates or if you just want to try and learn a few bits um, so the letter E uh, is up next because we did a couple of letter Ds, didn't we? Um, and so we're on to we're on to E, and we've got uh, this this word. So it's Egen Tor. Uh, so that uh, translates straight over to own goal. Um, I don't know the first part of that word particularly well, but I know Tor is is basically the the word yeah. for goal because mm -hmm. you see that all over the place when teams are tweeting it, and you know they. It's, it's quite a well-known phrase that. So again, Mark, over to you. Is 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 Eigen just a, a kind of direct? Yeah, Eigen, Eigen, Eigen. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of means like self goal, basically. That's what it means, really. Yeah, like self goal. As Rory correctly said, yeah, the tour is the the goal, literally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you often see when you go to the Bundesliga games and there's a goal, you see on the screen like tour, tour, and you'll hear this a lot also on the loudspeaker. It's one of the key words to know, really, tour in the. Uh, mm -hmm. The German football vocabulary, really, yeah. But like Eigen kind of means like self goal, basically, you know. So it means that obviously own goal, as we say in English, yeah. Like, um, yeah, it translates quite close to the English mm -hmm. way of saying it. But yeah, yeah. And often you will see as well, like, you know, obviously in English it says OG, you know, with an own goal. You'll often see like ET uh, right. written like in brackets in German when you read in the German commentary. So like Eigentor, obviously an abbreviation. So okay. yeah. well, not to be confused with extra time then. So yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. 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 If you're ever watching yeah. a game, ET, yeah. that will stand for an mm. own goal, not extra time. Yeah. There you go. But, uh, another interesting one actually for E as well is Elf Meter as well. I don't know if you know that one, but Elf Meter is how Germans call uh, penalties 
also. Okay. Yeah. So it's like they literally it literally means eleven meters. That's what they say for a penalty. Interesting. <laughs> Which yeah. I, I found it quite interesting when I came yeah. to Germany actually, because like you know we have a completely different word for that, don't we? In mm -hmm. English, yeah, it's a penalty, but they call it eleven meters, obviously from the distance that the penalty is taken. You know, sure. so it's uh, obviously we use yards in English, don't we? Yeah. But like well, in yeah. Germany, most yeah. countries they use meters. So yeah, it's another interesting one for e as well. Very yeah. good. Yeah, so that's that's our that's our word for, for this week. I'm not sure if there was any uh Egan tours this weekend. Can't can't rack my brains if we had any mm. this weekend. Um trying to think certainly lots of red mm. cards, but I'm not sure yeah. if there was any own goals. No, I don't remember any own goals. No. no. But anyway, let, let's crack on with the second half of the countdown then, Mark. So over to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, we talked a lot about how Union Berlin had kind of really struggled since the sale of Max Kruse, didn't we? I mean, they had lost the three games in a row without scoring a goal as well. So it was kind of alarm bells were ringing, really, for, for the home side. They obviously came into this game on, on the back of three straight defeats. And then Mainz, on the other hand, came on the back after a really good run of form. Like They'd uh, got seven points from the previous uh nine available so they came in on really really good form but i mean they got off to a horrible start in this game really didn't they this was another one really wasn't it this goal i mean it was a bit of a strange strike in all honesty i mean it was uh it's one of them the rules have just been made so complicated in football haven't they it was like i mean haraguchi the excellent attacking midfielder from union berlin he kind of drilled the ball against alexander hack and he almost beautifully really kind of back-heeled um, the ball. If you looked at it, if it was a striker, it would have looked like a beautiful goal, really. But it was actually quite... The, it, it should perhaps have been given as an eigentor, as we say, really. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't have, yeah. it did, you know. I don't think it would have gone in if it wasn't for the uh, the deflection off Alexander Hack. But yeah, I mean, the, the kind of uh, strange thing was that there was an Union Berlin player kind of lying on the floor in obviously in an offside position right in front of the Mainz goalkeeper as well, like literally right in front of him, maybe 50 centimetres in front or so. But obviously it went to VAR, but the goal was given in this case, wasn't it? Rory, do you think this was the right decision or was this another strange one? It's another strange one. Um, yeah, I think it was Promel who was on the floor in, in yeah. front of Zedna in, in goal. And um, I guess the only reasoning behind it being given is that the deflection off hack was so strong is that Zedner, regardless of being able to see the ball all the way, wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. And therefore, it's you know, you, there's no need to make a decision on whether Promel is in an offside position or not because it was. Um, so yeah, a bit, bit of an odd one. Um, but I mean, we, we've been quite good with VAR in the Bundesliga yeah. since, uh, since we started the show, there's and we've not had to kind of moan or bemoan no. the the way that it's used or particularly how the referees are using it but i think these two this weekend and there was one in the gladback game which obviously we'll talk about as well um any three of them probably could have and should have gone the other way um but yeah bit of a strange one but it gave uni on the perfect start yeah, I think it's ironic. I was going to mention that as well. That like we almost never moan about refereeing in the Bundesliga. I think the only game I can remember about moaning was actually the Bayern uh, Dortmund game when there were a couple of dodgy decisions against Dortmund. But I mean, in in general, it's we compared to the Premier League, it seems like every game there's like a problem with VAR or something, you know. But yes. in in this in the Bundesliga, we don't see many. And but at the same time, I. 
I am kind of glad to see benefit go in favour of the attacking side in some ways. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see goals given dubiously than goals disallowed dubiously, personally, sure. to be honest. And obviously you'd be cheesed off if you were Bielefeld or Mainz in this game, because I think I agree with you, Roy, that both should probably have been disallowed for me, really, in all honesty. But, you know, we want to see goals, and that's what the Bundesliga is all about. And both goals were given in this case, yeah. But yeah, obviously, Mainz weren't happy. You know, I think uh, obviously they really both Svensson was furious on the Mainz touchline as well. I mean, it's not an easy place to go to Union, is it? And the last thing you want is kind of a dubious goal going against you after just seven minutes. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a relatively even uh, first half after that. And it did actually finish uh, 1 0 at half time to Union. Then, Rory, the second half was a lot more entertaining, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I thought um, so. Union had had made a couple of fairly big changes. Um, Boris Fischer had, had decided to freshen things up up front, so he brought in Volksamer and Geraldo Becker, uh, both of which, um, particularly the latter, had really big impact on the game. Um, obviously, putting you know their star man uh, Taiwo Awoni on the bench, um, and it just hadn't been happening for him just recently. So. And the decision ended up being a very good one because Becker um, made a telling contribution in the second half, almost just uh, just before the hour mark, cuts inside from the wing and, and unleashes a lovely curling effort, um, which was just you know too good. Beats Edner in there and nestles into the into the far corner, making it two nil um, to kind of really put Union on the front foot. And then uh, just a little bit further after that, another telling contribution. However, this was from. Uh, Union player, it was, um, I think it was, was it Dominic Core. Uh, yeah, Core, who got two yellow cards in the space of two minutes to get himself sent off, unfortunately, for mine's point of view, which left them with 10 men and not very long left to go. Um, so effectively, the game was done. Um, and then substitute Awoni was set up by his strike partner, Geraldo Becker, breaking forward uh, with about 15 minutes to go. Really good. Uh, forward play by Becker, uh, very unselfishly laid it on the play for a one year he put, um, tucked it away for his first goal since match day 14. Wow. So there you go. Uh, and he's had a really good season. Obviously went away for African Cup of Nations, um, but that's obviously 10 match days that he's not scored. So a bit of a shock that um, I didn't think it had been that long since a one year scored, but a much needed goal for him. Confidence booster, um, just goes to show that Union can kind of chop and change if, if you know with these quality players that they can bring in. Um, so very pleased for Becker because I think he's a really good player actually, yeah. and I like to see him play a bit more. Um, there was a bit of time right at the end for a consolation goal for mine, some good work by Bergzog, um, if I'm pronouncing that right, for his first ever Bundesliga goal as well. Um, but yeah, 3 1 Union. Again, deserved win. I'd have to say, mine's mine's is away record leaves a lot. You know, doesn't leave a lot to the imagination that they've as impressive as they have been at home. Unfortunately, away from home, they have been quite uh, the opposite um, and been quite poor. Um, and that's obviously why they're not quite um, up there around kind of you know seventh place where they want to be chasing a potential European spot. Union on the flip side are now right back in the mix and uh, hopefully we'll have a strong finish to the season. Uh, Mines just need to sort out that away record and then they'll be uh, they'll be right in the mix as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it is a disappointing day for Manchester, but it was just one of those matches, really. One they they do have to start improving their away form, that's for sure, because they've not won away in a long, long time. I don't think you know. I think they got close actually in the last away game. I think they got a one-all draw at Freiburg, but I mean, yeah. other than that, they've lost a lot of away games, and they just seem like a, a very, very at home. They never lose, but away they never win. That's the problem, you know. It's like, but I mean, obviously, in the end, that leads to like a mid-table finish, which which is where they are at the minute, you know. I mean, they're obviously currently ninth in the table, which is, by the way, is still very good for, for mm. Mainz, really. You know, let's be honest. I mean, most of the last few seasons have been down in the bottom half of the table. So, this is the, the target was a top half finish this season, and that's what they're on for at the minute. That's for sure, yeah. Okay, so let, let's move on to the game of the weekend, you know. I mean, not many people may have predicted this would have been the game of the weekend, but as we always say in the Bundesliga, you know, uh, sometimes the games that don't look the prettiest on paper end up being the best in reality, you know. And this was this was just a classic Bundesliga game for me, really. It was super dramatic, just like complete chaos, really, from both sides the whole match, wasn't it? And, yeah, obviously it only took six minutes for Wolfsburg, actually, to get on the way. And to be honest, this is a player that I'm really, really excited about at the minute, Jonas Vind. I mean, what a yeah. signing he's been. Got his first goal last week against Hoffenheim. And to be honest, he's been really good since he signed and it took him just uh, six minutes to finish the ball quite impressively, really, past um, obviously Sommer in the Gladbach net from Riedel Baku's assist. We've not heard much from him this season, have we, Riedel Baku? Yeah. Obviously, one of the players of last season, he's kind of dropped off the radar a bit this year, but he got the assist here. Then, yeah, a few chances for Gladbach. Um, like so Turam was back in the side, by the way. We've not seen him for a long time, really, have we? He's been had a really poor season, but yeah, came back into the side for this game. Obviously for M Bowler, who's played most of the season as like the kind of number nine position. But yeah, it was actually Wolfsburg who doubled the lead as well after 33 minutes. It was uh, Maximilian Philip Corner headed home by that man Bernau. Who, yeah, again, he's not done much since quite a. He was quite highly rated in Köln. I think he was given their Player of the Season last year, mm -hmm. actually. But like this season, he's not really done much. But he he got a goal here um, to make it two nil. But then, Rory, you're just thinking, you know, Wolfsburg obviously they blew a lead last week against Hoffenheim, didn't they? And you're just thinking, you know, go and get a win against a kind of off form Gladbach side, really, aren't they? But they couldn't do it, could they, Rory? No, well, both teams would have seen it as an opportunity at, at the start of the game, um, only separated by a point in the table as well, and, and both of them desperate to get three vital points to push away from any kind of relegation worries. Um, but, uh, yeah, they couldn't keep their 2-0 lead going into half-time. Of course, that was, probably would have been a really important thing for them to have done. So, really good work from... Alison Plie um, down uh, down the wing, put in a lovely cross um, for Marcus Chiram, and he attacked it really well. It was a really good header, um, and it you know easily went past Castiles in net, couldn't really do much about it. So two one into half time, you know Gladbach came out with a lot more purpose, quite a lot more belief in themselves, but the, the game did kind of stagnate for a little while. There wasn't any clear cut chances for um, a bit, and into the last twenty minutes it went. And then that's when the game exploded into life once more as uh, just a long ball forward from Gladbach caused carnage at the back for Wolfsburg. And the very off-colour this season, Maxence Lacroix um, was manhandling Chiram so much so that he literally had his hand in, on his mouth 
like pulling Chiran back uh, to stop him going for a long goal. And if that wasn't enough, he then <laughs> grabbed, well, he didn't grab the ball. He got the ball and tapped it back with his hands to stop Chiran going through on goal. So the referee very rightly just gives him a straight red. Third of the season, I think. Um, and yeah, obviously it completely turned the game uh, even more in Gladbach's favour. Um, you know, home fans going wild. They can smell that there's a real opportunity here. So, um Alison Plea, I think, had um, a really good effort saved. Um, and Castile made a double save as well from a corner. And then Plea skied over the third effort. Uh, so they're piling on the pressure. And with eight minutes to go, Plea again was the assist uh, maker or the provider as he swung in basically the exact same cross, this time for substitute Brian Bolo uh, to head home at the back stick. Pretty much carbon copy of the first goal. Really, really nice cross. Uh, to make it 2-2 and then you're thinking is there time for a winner and we thought we had it or Gladbach thought they had it uh, right into um, the dying embers of the game, they broke forward after they won possession on halfway um, got the ball to the byline, cut it back and lo and behold, Ginter's in the penalty area for whatever reason um, <laughs> controls the ball smashes it into the you know high into the net, 3-2, everyone's going crackers uh, but lo and behold, we do have or did have another VAR review and they had to pull it all the way back to where the ball was won on the halfway line by Patrick Herman uh, was the player who made the tackle. And uh, it probably is a foul in modern day football. What do you reckon, Mark? Uh, was was it a bit too harsh? Would you have given the goal? To be honest, I'd probably have given it, to be honest, yeah. I think, I, I, to be honest, I'm not a fan of those goals that get disallowed for like uh, for, for things that happen like way before the ball ends up in the back of the net, to be honest. You know, cause yeah. You're not telling me that Wolfsburg didn't have other opportunities to prevent that goal at the end of the day, yeah. you know. And I think, I mean, the foul was borderline anyway. It was probably a 50-50, maybe 60-40 in favour of foul. But it's another rule that I'm not that much... You can't really blame the ref that much because I guess, yeah, he did have justify. But for me, you should only be able to disallow a goal like if, if it's seen as a foul at the time. Do you know what I mean? Because I think you're not telling me that Wolfsburg didn't have any other chance to stop that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think uh, it's not like he was through on goal. Do you know what I mean? So I always think it's harsh, but it's the rules nowadays. You know, the rules are very complex in football nowadays. And it's not like it was, you know, a few years ago when it was like just very, very black and white, really. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's more and more complex and I think, yeah, I think they've tried to improve the game, but it doesn't always work, I don't think. Do you know what I mean? And I think, for me, you know, the emotion that the Gladbach fans experience there, scoring that last-minute goal from two down, and to have it taken away from them from a pretty conspicuous foul, in my eyes, is that's not what we want to see in football. Obviously, if you're a Wolfsburg fan, you'll have a different view on it. You know, they've ended up getting a point out of the game, yeah. a good point as well, really. But from a football fan's perspective, I would have liked to have seen the goal given. Yeah, very much so. Um, so, yeah, honours even. Both stay within a point of each other. Both another point further away from relegation, I guess. Um, Gladbach would be pleased with the way they came back. Wolfsburg, of course, would be frustrated giving away um, another lead, uh, two-goal lead this time, but certainly be encouraged by what they're seeing at the top end of the pitch. Uh, you know, as you said, Jonas Wind looks a yeah, a real steal of a player with, you know, can he link up with Cruiser and then, you know, start to see more of the Wolfsburg uh, of, of last season, perhaps. Um, but 
yeah, really entertaining game. Again, like you said, you just get them in games that you don't expect, really. Um, but, yeah, really produced a good game at Borussia Park. Very enjoyable and um, well worthy of number one this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, without further ado, we, let's move on to the Bundesliga boxes talking points of the week. So, yeah. Obviously, uh, we decided to focus on a certain part of the table, which is kind of really hotting up nicely. I mean, you know, obviously the, the title race isn't looking good at the minute, obviously with uh, buying eight points clear and Dortmund just can't string back-to-back performances together, really, can they? It's just a problem for them. And yeah, so let's focus on the bottom of the league today. So yeah, the talking point of the, the week is going to be who goes down between Stuttgart Augsburg, Hertha and Bielefeld. So, yeah, I just want to start off by apologising to Greuther Furt fans, you know, because obviously you yeah. are still mathematically in with a chance of staying mm-hmm. on 14 points, you know. But, I mean, obviously you are the nine points adrift of the automatic uh, relegation places and obviously, yeah, well, the same number actually adrift of uh, overall safety. But nine points does seem a big uh, kind of, uphill task let's say with 10 games to go doesn't it but let's be honest you're not you're probably still in with the best chance that you've had of staying up the whole year to be honest yeah. so yeah i mean let's give them credit for that you know but yeah let's focus on the four teams who are more likely to be involved obviously we're, we're thinking about the 17th place which is automatic relegation and then 16th which is that famous relegation playoff isn't it where the team that finishes 16th plays a team that finishes third in the spite of bundesliga so yeah, let me let me uh, throw it over to you, Rory. Obviously, you're a Stuttgart fan, so yeah, do you want to start with Stuttgart? Like, did you think? How do you feel things are going, and are you going down this year? Um, yeah, it's been a very disappointing season. Um, the, the constant flow of injuries, um, you know, begs the question: what's going on internally at the club? Um, I, I'm not. I'm a Stuttgart fan, but I don't know to the extent of whether the medical team has changed recently or if there have been mass changes within that remit. Um, but it it begs the question why there are so many big injuries constantly. Of course, bad luck comes into it, but at the same time, there's got to be something else going on, uh, I feel, in that regard. Um, again, one thing to contextualise the fact that they sold, um, well... <laughs> effectively four of their best players uh, in recent times. So in the summer, they got rid of, they didn't get rid of, they had to sell effectively Nico Gonzalez. They were never going to keep a hold of him. I think that was fairly obvious. Um, and and Gonzalo Castro uh, was released, uh, as well as Gregor Kobel, who was a really good keeper uh, for, for Stuttgart. And I thought he was going to be a really big presence missed, which he has proved to be. And again, in January, we had to let go Mark Oliver Kempf, who had not had his best season, but he was a good Bundesliga player at a good age with experience. And that, again, is a blow. So a couple of big factors there that you have to look at. First of all, um, you know, they've not been able to score as many goals as they were to mitigate the goals that they conceded the other end this season. Um and most crucially in recent weeks, the performances <laughs> for the last almost two months have been a very solid level and they've not been, you know, walloped. And, you know, every time that you see a game and the commentators are commentating on it, they're like, they're almost talking about Stuttgart and the fact that they, they aren't a team down there because of the way that they move the ball, the way that they pass it really well. 
quite intense. They press as well as a team. Um, but the inability to get the big points, the big wins when it matters, has been crucial. Last two weeks, I think I tweeted about this and I, I mentioned it to you, Mark. They should have had six points from their mm-hmm. last the two games and they've ended up with one. And that, that is five points that they've let go and that is huge in the context of things. Given the fact that they're three points away from Augsburg in the playoff place, they should be out of the relegation zone full stop. Um, if they held on to their 1-0 win against Bolkham and if they held on to what would have been obviously an unexpected win against Hoffenheim, but still, you know, that's still massive for them. Um, things to encourage Stuttgart fans is that the signing of Thiago Thomas looks to have worked really well. He's like a really good player, tenacious, uh, really good on the ball and, and looks to know where the goal is. The return of Omar Marmouche and Sasa Galaidic adds a lot more attacking uh, intent and opportunities for Stuttgart to score goals. It's whether they can get the ball to them in, in the good areas, uh, which will make the difference. And they face a couple of really big games in the next couple of weeks. Gladbach this weekend coming is gargantuan in terms of a, of a must-win game. And the run-in for them is a bit mixed, but there are opportunities out there to gain at least maybe four or five wins if they can really sort themselves out. But right now, there's probably a huge mental block on the team more than anything else because they've forgotten how it feels to win, forgotten how it feels to shut out a team. Um, they're defending for their lives, but they're just finding ways to concede goals. Um, so if I was put on the spot, I'd say they'll come 16th and hopefully win the playoff match. Um, but yeah, clutching at straws a little bit and hoping. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, Obviously, as for Augsburg, I mean, their home form is their hope. I think the, the their hope definitely lies with the home form. They do tend to play well at home. You know, very, very good point against Dominic. You know, they even had chances where they could have scored more than one goal in that game, you know. I mean, they don't lose many games at home, do the uh, Augsburg. But, I mean, for me, they do probably have a little bit less raw quality than Stuttgart, to be honest. I think they do have a... For me, they have the second weakest squad in the Bundesliga. Obviously, we I think both me and you, Rory, tipped them to go down at the start yeah. of the season, didn't we? And I think if you look at some of the players, I mean... On paper, they kind of scream of being fighter Bundesliga players, to be honest. Like, with all due respect, the likes of Greg Gorich, you know. I mean, he's done well the last few weeks, but the guy, yeah, yeah. he's not got that much technique and quality on the ball, really, as he let's be honest. You know, Nida Lechner's another one. That, I know he had a good season a couple of years ago, but he just screams of a fighter Bundesliga player to me. You, you're welcome to criticise me if you think my opinion's wrong, but that is my opinion. I think even Dorsch, really, he was seen as their kind of big option, one year. And has he yeah. really done it to the level we expected? Not for me, really. I know he's had a few injuries, but he's not been that like real quality midfielder who can get them up and down the pitch, as was expected. Yeah, I just think there's a bit of a lack of quality. You know, they, they do have a couple of good players. Like Pepe hasn't really shown that much so far. I think Vargas, so Vargas has been good the second half of the season, but is is he really the kind of guy that's going to drag you out of a relegation dogfight? I don't know, but I would probably say Augsburg are the worst side of the four we're going to talk about. But at the same time, they fight uh, possibly okay. the second hardest after maybe Bielefeld. I would say the second hardest fighters in this dogfight. So yeah, I guess they're. Their hope relies on the home form that they just can get those scrappy 1-0 wins, basically, you know, which they often do manage to do, actually. Yeah, yeah I think it's yeah. whether 
uh, they can get the goals and the fact that they've been there before. And it's a very outward yeah. like season, isn't it? They're in and around the sort of area. They look a bit ugly to start with. Poor start to the season. They've got a few wins where they, you know, where they've been able to pick them up. Famous win over Bayern yeah. uh, earlier on as well in the season. So, yeah, that'll be close. Um, I'll, I'll quickly cover Hersa and then Mark, yeah. you can finish on Bielefeld. Um, I mean, yeah, Hersa are just a team in free fall at the moment, aren't they? Um, and yeah, interesting example they used a little bit earlier on, Mark, in, in terms of comparing it to. Uh, the way that Verda finished their season last season. Um, I think I tend to agree um, in what you've said there. Um, and again, like I mentioned, a couple of big things about they've had some, you know, COVID outbreaks and lots of injuries as well. Uh, similarly to Stuttgart, but maybe not on the same level or maybe quite comparable. Um, one thing to worry about for Herter is defensively conceded 54 goals. That's nine more than Stuttgart have. And Stuttgart have, have conceded the most after uh, them. So Augsburg and Bielefeld have defended better than Stuttgart have. That's a worry. They've conceded six on two occasions. And like you said, I think Bayern put five past them. Do you say, Mark? So, yep. uh, you know, they've got uh, like Ge- Gekster, uh, who's a young lad, 17, I think he was, um, who, you know, who's been thrown in there. Um, Kempf has come into the team but then got red carded so that doesn't help um, so I think the big thing is defensively they're going to concede a lot of goals and if they can't get Jovetic and Bedfordil on the pitch regularly then they're going to struggle to get goal. Richter's a really good player as well I think he's one of their better players Herter, um, and was at the forefront of anything good that they did against Freiburg at the weekend but um, again, like I mentioned, this dip in form couldn't come at a worse time, especially with the next five games, all really tough games. I think um, if I can't remember off the top of my head right now who they've got next weekend, but the next, next five games definitely involves teams right at the top end of the league. And with the format they're going at right now, if they lose all those five games, so with five games left to play, and teams pick up points, as you would expect, with how desperate they'll be getting. By the time they start, you know, match day 30, say, they could be in 17th place. Um, And let's face it, last season, they obviously got out of trouble, similarly because of a COVID outbreak, where they had to play a load of games in a row, and everyone thought, oh, that could mean, you know, they're in trouble. But they're able to rest up, get their squad back, a lot healthier and a lot fitter and ultimately they say they survived and it looked a lot more comfortable than what it really was. We expected them to bounce forward uh, the season and have a much more comfortable season, but it's just not happened. Um, quite a lot of names rather than a team feel there. Uh, Core Cooks came in, had a bit of a bounce and now he's struggling uh, in terms of the, the managerial side of things. So um, I think, again, if you were to ask me, where they'll finish. I think if I'm saying that Augsburg will go down and Stuttgart will come 16th, then I guess I'm saying that Hertha will just survive, but by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and then obviously I'm going to go through Frank Kramer's Bielefeld as well. I mean, for me, they're the side, they're only, obviously they're not mathematically safe by any means. I mean, nobody can claim they're mathematically safe at the minute. I mean, they are only uh, two points above the uh, third bottom at the moment, but obviously they do have a bit of a buffer 
to Stuttgart. Six points is quite a, they'll they'll be happy with that gap considering mm. where they were before Christmas, you know. Yeah. Uh, to the automatic relegation. I think Bielefeld as well have fancy beating any fighter Bundesliga team as well. Because for me, I've said before I am quite a fan of Bielefeld. I do rate them as a team. I think early on in the season the problem was mostly their their obsession with Fabian Close. And I think he was letting them down a lot because despite being an absolute club legend, I mean, I looked at his statistics a few weeks ago and the guy's been an absolute god. I think he's banged in about 170 goals for them and he's played his whole career for them, you know. So I can understand why they stuck with him. But for me, he's not even close to being Bundesliga standard. And since Sarah came in, he's also not been good in terms of the goals, but I think he offers more as a player. You know, he offers more support. He's got more technique. Then close who just screams of being a fighter Bundesliga player for me, really. But yeah, I mean, obviously behind that they do have a lot of quality. You know, Okagawa is a player who's been really, really good. We've talked a lot about Vimmer, who for me isn't even that far off the Bundesliga team of the season. I'd go that far. I think he's a real quality player. They have the likes of Vasilidis as well, who's a solid kind of defensive midfielder that allows the more attacking guys to be more expansive. You know, they've got a solid defender defender like Amos Pieper. Quite a big fan of him. He's an old school defender, but he's a quality defender. Uh, and obviously Ortega, who we've talked about a hundred times, but they do have the spine of a good side. And, you know, I, I don't see any reason. For me, they'd have to be extremely poor between now and the end of the season to go down. I do see them staying up. I think, you know, maybe even they could climb above someone like Bochum as well, potentially, and get quite comfortably out of it for me. And But then again, this weekend, they play Augsburg at home. And that's a game, you know, they've got to be winning that game of football. You know, otherwise, if they lose that, then it might be a different look altogether, you know. And there is pressure on that kind of game, you know. Bielefeld are a better team than Augsburg for me, but there is a lot of pressure to go and win that game of football. And if they don't, then the probably going to be in it for a long time to come really you know because i think they've got some hard fixtures after that one so it's a massive game their season could depend on that game against Salzburg for me really but i'm going to go with them uh, surviving and finishing 14th or 15th probably yeah then, that's well sorry no uh, 13th or 14th i should say yeah oh, i've got them in 15th for me uh just above her yeah. um yeah. sorry no 14th 14th place yeah <laughs> And then for me, I didn't clarify who I think we're going to... I actually think it'll be Hertha at the moment, to be honest. I, I just don't... I, they've just been absolutely rubbish for, for weeks now, you know. And I mean, their only option now is probably to get rid of Korkut, to be honest, I think. And it's just... It, they've just been rubbish, you know. Like, I mean, look at the, the game. They conceded six twice. They got battered at Freiburg. It's just not good enough, is it? You know, and are they working hard enough? We've been asking this question for 18 months since we started doing the show. And for me, the answer is no. I don't think they work hard enough and I don't think they put enough of a shift in Hertha at times, you know. And I think, uh, I think you know, I've got a funny feeling that Stuttgart is starting to improve a little bit and they might just get that automatic relegation place, I think. Uh, sorry, no, the, the playoff place, I should say, yeah. Stuttgart. And then Augsburg, I, I must be crazy for saying it, but I just think they might scrape clear and finish 15th. It's, uh, yeah. But obviously, that's the way I see it at the moment. And most of that is based on the fact that Hertha have been absolutely awful the last five or six weeks you know mm -hmm. so they could improve they could go and win next week and things might look different but yeah that's what i'm gonna go for so yeah bielefeld 14th uh augsburg 15th stuttgart 16th and hertha berlin 17th that's my tip very yeah. good 
Well, that brings a close to that talking point. Uh, be interesting to see where it all lies with five games to go and then obviously where things finish up. Um, fingers crossed for Stuttgart to get out of things. So, yeah, another good show. Very enjoyable. Um, so, Mark, do you want to just close up as per usual? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, if you enjoyed what you saw today on the Bundesliga show, check out Over the Bar FB, our Twitter channel, our Twitter page, sorry, and at Over the Bar Extra. Obviously, you can see everything that we do, all of the updates for the latest shows on there. Yeah, obviously, remember to check out our main page as well, which is otbfootball.net. You can see all of the journalism and all the written articles that we do on there. So remember to check that out. And yeah, obviously, as always, we ask you to like, comment and subscribe because it helps us with the algorithm and also it helps us to kind of uh, produce more and more content for you guys. So yeah, another good show. Really, really good weekend of Bundesliga action. As things start to hot up, only 10 games left now. So yeah, we're really into the kind of closing stretch of the season, really. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll see you again on Thursday for our predictions and fantasy football ahead of week 25. So... Vida. See you then.